0: Yeah, really, really well. I just got full marks on the second round of Master, so I'm in a good mood. Oh,
1: have you ever been on?
0: Yes, uh, I was on when Elton John was performing, plugging his album. Uh, I, correct, I picked the right day to go on and I was hopeless. I got 15, I've got the t-shirt and nowadays, having listened every day since the lockdown started, I'm able to confidently score within the 30s most days. Are you allowed to go back on? Yeah, uh, there's a moratorium of about three years. But yeah, you're allowed to go on again. It's just... No, because I'm trying to wean myself off football and uh, having written this book that has come out since we last spoke, I think I'm done with football. I'm I'm done with it. Um, Although books like yours, John Driscoll, remind me uh, that football does have a soul. uh, And (laughs) in in some cases... I mean, did Cottown, how are they doing this year?
1: Uh, you know, I haven't been down, which is depressing, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, okay is 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 the answer. They they uh, they desperately need um, a, a new astro pitch, basically, because there's just you know the financial uh, the financial squeeze on small clubs is just devastating, and so the pitch is because my my son is is a junior, so he plays on the pitch. Honestly, the, the the local park is better than the pitch, um, and it's and it's just yeah, it's it's, it's just hard. But yeah, yeah you know, dedicated um, volunteers. There's a, there's a coach with a plan. They're trying to get the kids through. So, you know, it's okay, but uh, you know, it's 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 a it's a it's a tough one to thrive with a non-league football club.
0: It's it's horrible. I. Go to I don't go to Wheelstone FC, but I go to Grosvenor Vale because Watford's women play there. This Sunday, we're talking on October 20th, John Driscoll, author of a couple of books, The 50, uh, which marked your 50th birthday last year, uh, and Get It Kicked, which marked your 51st, The Battle for the Soul of English Football. Uh, And it's not the first and it won't be the last book. I I thought of writing a similar book about the meaning of football. I ended up just thinking, well, the elite are going to break away. Um, there are certain elements to supporting your local team, but I find more joy watching Watford ladies who are in the third tier of women's football. They've got Gemma Davison on the wing and Helen Ward up front, who is a Welsh international. We shouldn't be in the third tier, uh, but we're winning, which is excellent yeah. news.
1: It's, it's, I mean, winning's good, isn't it? I mean, yeah, you do need to win, but it, there's, there's more to it than winning, isn't there? Otherwise, you would support Real Madrid or Manchester City, which... A depressing number of people <laughs> do, I guess, don't they? I can probably get more joy watching either Didcot Town under 16s or Oxford. My my son plays for two teams, plays for Oxford City uh, under 16s, and that probably gives me more enjoyment, I would say, than than all of the Premier League games and La Liga games that I watch, and even the, even the commentary games that I don't, you know, commentate on European games and. Um, championship games and all of that, but going and watching actual grassroots football is is, is brilliant. It's, it's so you, for all all of the the negative side, and you can you know the the, the corporate takeover of football. It's still brilliant. It still gives you a, there's still more community, more cross generational community, and and a breadth of people who love it who are interested. I still think it's one of the best things in in the world, football. So I, I, I'm I'm I, yeah, I'm still in love with
0: it. Um, here, here, yes, here, and And also has has done. It means you can pay subs for the 16 year old kid uh, who is <laughs> who loves the game. And he's gone into He's not gone into the family business yet. Although, there, is there a chance that Minnie Driscoll will become a, a commentator and host of El Tell and John's La Liga <laughs> Weekly? <laughs> are you well, you'd are you'd grooming have to have him to speak
1: be the successor? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I, I have no opinion on what he does. Good. Um, well, I said, well, I do have an opinion. I want, him, I want him to do well and enjoy himself and and find an interesting job. I, lo- I love it. It's, it's, it's fascinating. Um, you know, I love the people I've met. Uh, I get to watch football. It's a brilliant excuse to watch as so much football as I possibly can. Whether I would push anyone else into it, I don't know. It's changed so much. I mean, literally. I mean, you know, financially, because it's such a deregulated industry. I think I literally earn the same as I earned about twenty years ago. Mm, you know, so, yeah. So you know, so there is there's a there's a real squeeze on it. Um, there's a lot of random, uh, but I, I guess I guess if you spoke to anyone in other industries, they'd say the same. It just seems really random as to who thrives and who doesn't thrive. There are there are people I've met along the way, I thought, Oh, they're brilliant, they will be or oh, they're gonna be a big name and they're not. And there are people who are big names and I think, How on earth did you <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> how how were you where you where you are? And you know, you, you mustn't worry about it. But um, but at the same time, I don't know. I, 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 have no idea. I have no idea what he'll do as long as he does something interesting and fun and uses his brain and, you know, then good luck to him.
0: Who to that. And on a completely unrelated note, Micah Richards has a book out next week. And the rise of Micah Richards and what's going on with Roy Keane. And that we've, we've mentioned Micah a lot. Micah seems to be the face of the modern era of football punditry. Uh, I would posit that Terry Gibson should be a bigger name than he is. Uh, Because Terry is one of your sources for this book, Get It Kicked, The Battle for the Soul of English Football, uh, which has nine themes, uh, including uh, youth development and The Englishman Abroad, and Data, and we're going to try and get through all nine of those themes. But I just wanted to ask you, John Driscoll, should I be a Joaquin, a Toquero, a Guti, or a Ronaldinho? <laughs> and if you can explain to the listener what that means, I'd be uh, grateful. Uh,
1: the is the cheapest is not he um so basically it's patreon basically we do a podcast we now we did a podcast right I'll I'll, give, I'll try and rattle through it but you rewind about five years we I was on I was a commentator on sky for many years on the Spanish football um the la liga were ludicrous about it uh, if to put it bluntly and they gave the rights to 11 sports remember that anybody Rabidani, oh, isn't it? Yeah. yeah 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 precisely yeah yeah I've never quite forgiven him for that um, so they bought the rights. Um, La Liga went with them for like a million quid extra or something like that, which in the scheme of football, obviously, is, 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 is ludicrous. It's a week of mess. Um, yeah, precisely. Right. So they had, but they had no broadcast platform. They had no broadcast producer. They had no social media team. They had no commentators, uh, and all of this. Um, and so it obviously failed. So, um, so that you know, so with when Sky lost the the rights, not only did I lose the you know all, the, all that commentary work I was doing with them, I did other stuff with them then. Um, but we, we we did a podcast that was, was that was popular, you know, at, at, uh, for podcasts had about fifteen thousand people. Mm. Uh, and then so Terry and I basically, but you know, we enjoy having a chat about Spanish football every week. He knows an awful lot about he knows an awful lot about football in general, but he's specifically now because he does a lot of scouting in Spain. You know, he likes to talk about Spanish football. So basically, we have a chat. Uh, and uh, with such are the, the economics of sports media. As you're aware, Johnny, you're not going to get rich doing uh, football podcasts, are you? So in order just to get somebody, just to make it feel like he's professional, we basically have a Patreon page and all of the tiers are named after. Uh, not necessarily the best. I didn't just go Messi-Ronaldo. You know, I are trying to be a bit inventive. Toquero is, is a particular hero. If, if you're not familiar with his work, he Toquero is like if a fan got accidentally put on the pitch oh, wow. and became a player... And he was the hardest-working player, ball guy, most energetic, enthusiastic footballer you'll ever see, got Torquero. So he was a bit of a legend, but he would also miscontrol the ball quite often and miss the odd sitter. And so he very much was. like You, you might have a, a dream every now and again when you're suddenly on the football pitch. That that was Torquero. And so you know, quite a few people are Tukeras. I think Ronaldinho's the, 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 the most expensive tier. Yes, he doesn't really match up.
0: Nine pound fifty, and there's there's all this bonus content. The podcast is available on Mixcloud, Tel, and John's La Liga weekly. Uh, to be a Joaquin is three pounds. To Caro five, Guti eight fifty, Ronaldinho nine fifty, and um, well, a couple of things about La Liga. A La Liga player is the world's best once again, which does seem. La Liga have a lock. So all this all this stuff about the Premier League being the most brilliant. I think it's Guillaume uh, who said, "Well, yeah, but." in terms of what so if you look at uh, who is the best player in the world mostly they come from la liga and uh, karim Benzima, uh, benzema 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 i never know uh, is the bayondor winner uh, which is nice because it's a Frenchman for the first time in God knows how long.
1: And thoroughly deserved. him. I mean, he it was—he it was—he it was amazing last year, wasn't he? I think it's—I think it's a clear win, isn't it? You know, his it, form—not just that Real Madrid were better than everybody else in La Liga and he scored a load of goals, but that—that that run again, going back to that point of we can easily be cynical about a club like Real Madrid. There's lot. There's lots to not like about Real Madrid, particularly the European Super League. Mm. Also the fact that they have tended to, along with Barcelona, monopolised the power in Spain. So there's downsides. On the upside, they have given us some wonderful footballers and some wonderful football teams and some fun over the years. And I've never seen as fun a run uh, other than Middlesbrough's 2006 UEFA Cup charge to course. the to, to the final. Um, uh, Real Madrid last season were just those incredible Amazing games from behind. So even the other day, when I'm watching Shakhtar Donetsk and, and uh, my mate Dave Farrow is commentating and he's giving, oh what a what a you know, what an amazing achievement this is. and I'm thinking it's Real Madrid. Day. <laughs> They're going to score in the 95th minute, and lo and behold, they, they did. It was was it was Real Madrid. Wasn't it? So, uh, who's the best league in the world? Well, that's why I've written a book, Johnny. Yes. Um, because it's a complicated answer, isn't it? Because we, <laughs> we, we we normally do this battle in tweet form, don't we? We're, you know, we just shout at each other uh, in two hundred and eighty characters. So I thought some of this stuff actually deserves a bit of intelligent conversation. In many ways, the Premier League is brilliant, um, but it hasn't really delivered in terms of trophies. Has it? In terms, you know, if you compare it to La Liga, they've won more trophies. So there's you no, know, not everything is perfect about the Premier League obviously and my original intention was to talk about football more but you can't help talk about the off field stuff can you you can't help talk about the direction of travel because there are things that are you know that are not right in again
0: no and the, that chapter the best league in the world that is anthology worthy for which congratulations um the bundesliga is better for goals which i didn't know the then you you present some statistical details is it dave farnham dave
1: carberry, carberry. yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, who, who's, who's actually left the university of Bath now? He? He's, got, he's, got a, he's got a job doing football
0: um, a- analytics now. Unsurprising, oh, well, unsurprisingly, uh, yeah.
1: um,
0: and he says that uh, the Premier League is far more unbalanced. If you want balance, go to La Liga.
1: Yeah, yeah, which is again, it's, it's sort of counterintuitive, isn't it? You know, it might change as as the as the years go on. At the moment, there are a couple of bad teams in La Liga, and we'll see in the Premier League. But what's happened in the Premier League in recent years? You've had some awful teams in it that have ruined the relegation battle in a way. You know, Watford and Norwich last season contributed not a lot to the league. And generally, I think the most worrying trend for me on pitch in terms of the Premier League is that long-term one that he did over about 10 years. And he did the graph. He's very clever. He did the stats on it. Basically, it is becoming less competitive. The the whole... um, Martin Tyler still loves it. Oh, it's the Premier League. Anyone can beat anyone. It's amazing how many people say that uh, to the point where I was watching, uh, and Matt, I was watching Oxford City uh, kids play, and I said it to we were having a general conversation with a bloke who's a, a you know a casual football fan. His son is a good footballer, uh, and he said, "Oh well, anyone can be anyone in the Premier League." And I, I gave him Dave's stats, and I was saying, no, they're not. But honestly, that is that is an old-fashioned notion. We are not uniquely competitive in the Premier League. The top teams are getting more points than ever, there's, and there's a big stretch now. It's not competitive particularly now, certainly not, not if you look at the stats. And he and he looked at me slightly blankly, and he said, yeah, but anyone can beat anyone in the Premier League. <laughs> and I was like, no, no. I mean, yes, literally they can, Yeah. but not, it's not I mean, obviously, because it's still football, but you know, not in terms of how is it more competitive than the other leagues, it it, it just isn't in terms of top versus bottom, which is why I, I, I make the point that Jurgen Klopp deserves a massive vote of thanks from the Premier League because he has saved us from about five years of Manchester City winning the league by 10 points, yeah, which, which would then highlight the fact that it's becoming less competitive.
0: Yes, Liverpool, those underdogs owned by. American. Look, we know it's ridiculous, and there are several things about uh, English football that are ridiculous. For instance, Chris Wilder being sacked. This is a manager who is perfect for Borough, but unfortunately, uh, a, an England international from the North East uh, will, uh, will be manager. So it's going to be great. So you'll have Tony Mowbray managing. Is it Sunderland now? I literally is, can't yeah. remember. Yeah. Um, Newcastle is, is. Well, yeah, is it Newcastle via. Read and uh, Michael Carrick, by the time this goes out, may well have managed for Middlesbrough, given that you 've had some fantastic ex players managing the borough. I think Carrick will will be the next great manager, and that the the he 's got Alex Ferguson on speed dial. Uh, I think this is a very good appointment if it goes through
1: uh, I, I, I hope you 're right johnny i don 't know is <laughs> the, the short answer to that one we 've tried everything haven 't we so we 've tried the the you know the talented player in his first job. So Brian Robson did pretty well, to be fair. You know, had to be bailed out in the end by uh, Terry Venables, didn't they? Um, Southgate uh, I, I regard as a failure as Borough manager. Uh, I think he's done a better job with England. Woodgate, absolutely, I'm afraid to say, a failure as Borough manager. And then we sort of veer a bit like England, isn't it? We then yeah. veer the other way. What's and exact? then we go. Yeah, yeah. So then we go, Pulis, we've had Warnock, (laughs) you know, we've had all of that. And and I was all for Wilder to take over from Warnock, and we got better for a while. Uh, But he basically, in the end, he had to go. Uh, You know, I I would have said, if you'd asked me a few months earlier, would Wilder go, and would I think it was fine that he would go, I would have said that was incredible. But I think he had no faith in Middlesbrough's recruitment process. And I think he had no faith whatsoever in the players that he'd been given. He wanted to play this high-energy football. Borough just don't have the physicality for that. And it, it just just didn't work. It was awful. And I he was, just didn't want to be there. I was at
0: Watford Borough. Johnny Howson was quite brilliant. Mm. Uh, but unfortunately, Watford scored in the last minute. And I was right behind the dugout. So I was watching Rob Edwards and watching... Was it Alan Nill and Chris Wilder and their their coaching yeah. style? <laughs> and. I think Middlesbrough, A, they scored too early. B, they couldn't hold the lead. Uh, it was a, a, a attenuating circumstances because it was the centenary of Vicarage Road um, and there was pyro before the game. But there were lots of impressive things about Middlesbrough. Uh, but they didn't look like a side that would, I don't know, fly up the league. QPR are top of the league and they might lose their manager by the time this goes out. Which is, it's incredible.
1: You must say, every time you talk about the Championship, you have to look for a caveat. At, at the time of recording, such and yeah. such is the manager. It's incredible. More than half of the Championship have gone through their managers yeah. already this season. It's incredible.
0: What, and I hope Watford and Borough stay in that league forever, because at least it's exciting. I, I went to uh, Watford-Norwich at the beginning of the year, and uh, Watford were atrocious. And I just thought, there's, there's no point. What am I supporting here? Ranieri was... 70 years old, managing players who were 19, and there was this big disconnect, and I didn't like it. Uh, John McKenzie says football is a Ponzi scheme. Do you agree?
1: Yes. Um, how long can it go on for? Quite a while. Um, but then there's a lot of life is like that, isn't it? Um, the We know about Ponzi schemes when they collapse, basically, don't we? And that you've got to keep fueling it, and you fuel it, and you fuel it. And uh, as soon as everybody looks too carefully, it collapses and you know, and disastrously. The thing with football, people will. I mean, John makes a good point. People have always rescued football clubs, and so very few in in 150 odd years of football have actually gone out of business. And you know, we li- we live without Maidstone, and we live without Bradford Park Avenue. Although they, they, even there, they get they get reformed, don't they? Uh, he makes a good point. But you know, if this happens now to a Man City or a Manchester United or somebody, the fans aren't having a whip round and and, and bailing it out. But <laughs> e- even with Chelsea, they lost to Bramovich in, in extraordinary circumstances. There was still somebody else to come, wasn't there? Still an American billionaire who will who will come and pick it up. And so we keep on fueling it, don't we? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I draw at the end. I draw this analogy as a—it's slightly strained, but uh, I went with it of, of, of farmers. So you've got an organic farm, and it's been the land has been carefully looked after for over a hundred years, and it's great, and it's going to go on forever. Uh, what's happened with the Premier League essentially is that intensive farmers came, came along and started farming on previously organic land, and it thrived because you had all this beautiful land there and they were able to get great yields and sell it around the world and everything was fantastic. How long can it go on for? And the answer is quite a long time, I guess. I don't think we're at the point of collapse yet. Um, We keep finding um, (laughs) autocracies or American billionaires who will come along and and pour some more money in. I really hope that we get some kind of regulation. Obviously, um, you know, uh, prime ministers and chancellors come and go as quickly as, as championship football managers. And so from when I wrote the book, Boris Johnson was the prime minister and Kevin Miles from the Football Sports Association was confident that he would go with a regulator because he was a populist. We we then have moved on into uh, you know, a libertarian government, but, but then who knows what government we've got, but, you know, again, at the time of recording. Mm. Um, so I do think we need some protection. For the for the for the for the the network of football, for the pyramid, for the wide and the deep football that is brilliant, is it all going to collapse tomorrow? No, I'm more optimistic than that. I think I think we've got years to come.
0: I think that analogy is fantastic. It made me think of Monsanto. The the singer songwriter Neil Young is is very much against intensive farming and crop <laughs> yields because of, of numbers rather than quality. So there's something there. There are a couple of analogies in this book. Get it kicked. The battle for the soul of English football. Out on pitch. Uh, You compare England's team against Hungary with a reenactment society, which was brilliant. Uh, You actually make a fantastic point uh, comparing football to cuisine. English football is like English cuisine, it has had lots of foreign input, which has made it better and perhaps made English food raise its own game. I also like Guillaume Balagay, I'm going to mention this. Guillaume, who hasn't been in the football library because, I don't know, he's busy writing a book about Mbappe or Holland or something or at Biggleswede. He thinks that Pep Guardiola is now Joseph, the Englishman with a bit of German. That was fantastic. Uh, and he thinks Britain is humble. Do you agree that Britain, uh, that lets in lots of money um, to bankroll its uh, systems, is humble in taking on your Klopp's and you be elses?
1: It's a good question, isn't it? Um, when you look at this carefully, I think you keep coming back to this English split personality. And because we have both, don't we? You we, we can easily run away with this sort of John Bull idea that we're all, you know, and, and have the image of, a, of English football, of it being, you know, the guys who go to Amsterdam and Chuck bikes into canals and all and you know, those guys and keep the foreigners out guys. But at the same time, we are also the people who took football to the world, aren't we? And not in, in you know, if we, where, where we took it as part of the, the old empire, it didn't, it really failed. Where we, we took it as part of our travels and our sharing of the game with people around the world, it thrived. So England has, it's, it's, got the, it's got some fabulous open-minded People and that—that's that's what Guillaume wanted to celebrate. I mean, Guillam is annoyed about Brexit. Really. He really, and he no, makes no sure, secret yeah, yeah. of it because he—you know—he lived here, um, made it his home, but he was also—you know—he was very successful. So he's, he's nipping back beto- between Barcelona, doing stuff in for his Spanish publications and La Liga TV, coming back here and all of that. And then suddenly, for a lot of those guys, it, was, they, it felt like a slap in the face to them that we—we that we, we collectively. Suddenly rejected them, but obviously the the Brexit vote tells you everything, doesn't it? You know, it's fifty-two forty-eight, and that was, you know, it would be different again if you had it today. But it would there was still a big split. So we are, we 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 have. That's split, don't we? We have a humble side to us, but we also have an isolationist we are the best side and 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 it and it's always been there it's been there through our attitude to FIFA in the early days, mm. our attitude to the early world cups where we didn't take part and we said "Nah, stupid idea where the first edition of the the European cups so of the club you know the forerunner to the to the the champions League didn't take part in that didn't take part in the the first um European Nations League, but every everything. We're, 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 and, but it's a constant battle, you know, because you've got some people who are the most open-minded people, and and some people who are, who are really who were really close-minded. So there is a humility about English football, um, certainly when it comes to going and hiring talent. Um, but it, but it's a, it's a legitimate question because, again, one of the reasons I think it's a book rather than you know a, 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 an argument in a phone. It's complex. Um, because you are, I don't think there's anything wrong with with protecting your your national interests when it comes to, for example, having enough English players in the Premier League. I think that's a perfectly legitimate thing to try and protect your national team, because, I like international football, the whole point of it really is that you know it, it is a healthy representation of your of of patriotism of, of of your nationality. And rather, you know, that's that's the best way to express you know a sense of pride in being. English or, or whatever, isn't it, to, well, I, to support your football team?
0: Patriotism is important. You um, look at the makeup of players in the Premier League. 400 are non English, 273 are English, plus the 15 Englishmen abroad, such as Jude Bellingham. We also very infrequently send players abroad. Les Ferdinand, who is a great voice of reason in your <clears throat> book, Get It Kicked, uh, went to Bashiktash. It amused me that the manager was Gordon Milne, who was English. <laughs> Uh, and the other, we're going to have a couple of quizzes in the next 15 minutes. One of them is that only seven English coaches have managed in the Champions League. It was six, it's now seven. Redknapp, Robson, Lampard, Neville, <laughs> Gary Neville, and Graham Potter. Uh, having watched, uh, there was a lot of, I don't know if you've seen this, but Graham Potter looks a lot different as the Chelsea manager than he did <laughs> when he was managing Ostersund. Um, This is kind of, he's been taken hostage by copy and paste football by business football hasn't he or is this his natural domain
1: uh, it's he lives in the real world doesn't he that's that thing and he wants severe success in the real world isn't it i mean this this comes back to, to politics isn't it and you know when people say when someone's an environmentalist and, and then someone else says yeah but you 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 some meat or something. He "Well, you know, they live in the real world. <laughs> you know, or they 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 want to get on. So, I don't think Graham Potter could have stayed at Ostersen's being pure for the rest of his life, could he? Because you know, he'd already come to England or to Swansea, sorry, and and then and then to Brighton. So, he'd already taken the Premier League money." And then you take more Premier League money, and and where does it stop? It never stops in football, does it? I mean, that 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 would be a fair criticism of, of it. It would be it would be interesting if somebody turned down a job at Man City or Newcastle on the basis of where their funding comes from. I don't think we've got there yet, have we? It'd be fascinating to see if a player wouldn't go there. I mean, if they wanted to sign Hector Bayerin, I, I, I guess he would refuse. But um, there aren't many Hector Bayerins uh, in the world, are there? So. Um, yeah, so going forward, it gets quite a few mentions in the book, and then obviously uh, you're a slight hostage to fortune as, as you're writing a book about football. Because I think Sue Smith, it was yeah. she, she speculated as to whether he would get a top six job, and, and then of course he did, which was a little bit of a little bit of a surprise that he got the the Chelsea job when he did. I like it though, you know, I like him. I, I, he hasn't gone down in my estimation because he's taken the Chelsea job. He can't stay right forever. Well, he's going to be
0: the England manager. Oh, no, uh, well, apparently he's not going to be the England manager. Someone told me recently that's not for him. Uh, maybe Man United. Because he's, he seems to be a manager. Uh, rather than like a cluffy kind of what I say goes, he manages the players and that is probably good for the agents who do hold the power in football. There's not that much about agents. You really give the most magnificent overview of English football. This is a primer uh, for people. Maybe they'll have watched the World Cup this winter I'm not uh, are you
1: uh, yes although I'm not going um, but uh, yeah again I, I say I otherwise I, I've, I've had a World Cup stolen from me Johnny see that's that's the other way of looking at it say I if I, I've gone with a, a group of my mates and we we've, we've been to South Africa to Germany we've been to euros Went we went to Russia you, you know which no. is obviously we we had a different view of then, even though it's obviously corrupt the way the the, you know, the process worked, um, and you wouldn't go to Russia now. But you know we've had a World Cup stolen from us, and and again my son who's fifteen, he hasn't had many World Cups. And so we didn't have it in the summer when we should have had it in the summer. I still think I, I own the World Cup as much as Qatar owns the World Cup. And so I, I, I take your point about you, you know, your ethical objection. But they're not, they're not. I'm not giving them any money other than you know my, my eyes on the TV screen, which is monetized somehow or other. Time is the most um,
0: important uh, commodity. Uh, We we, will move on to ownership. I just wanted to run through uh, just lest we forget. Get It Kicked, The Battle for the Soul of English Football by John Driscoll. Uh, You meet Matt Crocker, uh, one of the architects of the England DNA. Uh, I might well watch the Under-20 World Cup next year, which gets a mention here. Talking about winning things with kids and the academy and EP3, much as what happened with Germany after the 5-1 defeat, which gets a mention in the book, coaching numbers have trebled at academy level in Britain because of the elite player performance plan. So coaching the coaches is almost more important than coaching the kids. Do you think we need more kind of Dave Parnaby figures? <laughs> I don't know I don't know. I don't know. I've never worked
1: uh, I've never sort of worked with him close up. Boroughs Academy is has been good over the years. So I mean, you know um, who came through it Well, Spence but he was he came from Fulham Tavernier, uh, he came from it was a newcastle and and then developed through we could do with more coming through um we it's a good i think it's generally a, it's again. It's another thing that is that is slightly that is paradoxical in that there are some good things and there are some bad things. Put it that way about how we how we coach kids at the moment. It's great. You know, some of the guys that I, I spoke to in the book. It's brilliant that they are getting a lot of time with kids I and mean, with a ton of time resources, brilliant pitches. But not everything is perfect. There is a danger that we're becoming a little stereotyped in how we coach kids. I start the book with a story. Don't know, but. Um, a team that are ten nil down because the coach thinks you have to play a certain way uh, in, a, in a in a football match, and then the probably the more important stuff is the fascinating stuff with Paul Mortimer, who was obviously a Premier League footballer who became then a, a counsellor and a therapist. a Fascinating, you know, in, uh, insight into football, and he's and he's worried about the amount of pressure we put on kids, which which is a, a legitimate thing. And then uh, obviously I've that little sort of rant where I go off through my my school governor experience, and uh, you know I'm just. I, I hate school league tables. I hate the fact that we've data uh everything about education and that, and that just leads to more and more pressure being put on people. So we have the best ever mental health provision and we have new ways of putting pressure on people. Yeah. And, and the, 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 the two things that should be directly in, in opposition, but in somehow they manage to feed each other.
0: And if you want to learn about modern teaching, Ryan Wilson, let that be a lesson, is is illuminating. I didn't know about the targets and the spreadsheets and the nonsense and goodness me. Um, Are we turning out identikit academy players where coachability uh, is the big thing and the Mavericks are in non-league? These are questions that I would love to ask you here, but I've got some meaty questions to finish because there is a Zoom limit. Uh, I also wanted to do the quiz, Thirteen overseas players began the Premier League era. Name them.
1: Oh, right. They're in the book, aren't they? They are. Uh, yes. Uh, yes. So, the so, easy ones. Okay, Jan Styskal of uh, <laughs> yes. QPR. Um, Cantona. Yeah. Oh, right. There are uh, Schmeichel. Yep. Is in there, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, it's gonna
0: Yep. In there. Gonna Yep.
1: Yeah. All uh, right. Scandinavians. Uh, yeah, so Nielsen, yep. Roland Nielsen in there, yeah I'm going to say Georgie Kinkladzi is not, I think he came a year or two after no,
0: Kinkladzi right? is later but Oh
1: uh... uh, right, hang on, uh, no, what's his name, the Danish guy isn't
0: it? Hang on, well let's go through this, Canadian goalkeeper yeah.
1: Right, it's Craig Forrest
0: Craig Forrest, uh, a goalkeeper who got caught up in a match fixing trial of which he's entirely innocent Hans yep. Uh Rune Haug's client John Jensen. Jensen. Uh, Swedish yeah. winger. And there's Limpar. Limpar. Polish defender. Yeah. Polish defender at the
1: very beginning of
0: the... Oh, man. This is the tough one. This is the pointless answer.
1: Yeah.
0: Begins with W. Varsika.
1: Varsika. Varsika. Yeah, it is. Right, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. He
0: missed a sitter, which he shouldn't be best known for. Oh,
1: Ronnie Rosenthal. Fuck
0: Ronnie. Uh, the Soviet yeah. winger for Man United and Everton and Rangers. Oh, can... And Chelskis. And finally, Michelle oh, Vonk. Vonk. Those are the 13 players. Well done. Yeah, so that, was, yeah, that proves yeah, yeah. beyond reasonable doubt that you were there and you witnessed it. And uh, <laughs> this is the uh, what I didn't know, and this is one of the nuggets that I'll, I'll tell people. I'm going to this function next week. I'll say, Did you know that the highest placed Premier League player in the Bayon d'Or 94 5. You finished joint 23rd was that year. Tony Yeboah. Tony, Tony Yeboah. Anthony Yeboah. Yeah,
1: yeah. yes. Yeah, I also
0: yeah. found out that Paul Embury, the uh, sociologist, played for Senrab. I don't know why there hasn't been a book about Senrab, which was founded Sen- by Jason Tindall's dad.
1: It's incredible, isn't it, Senrab? The list of players, the list of professional players who've come through that club, including two, well, obviously Ray Lewington. Uh, came through and then Paul Embry played for it yeah yeah it's an amazing club isn't it
0: Ray Lou is quoted in this book I've got a couple of kind of easy questions to, to finish this discussion who does own football's soul and is it linked to the soul of the United Kingdom as a whole
1: yeah football reflects society doesn't it and so the football in a country reflects the the society i think um i think if you if you look at it in terms of the economics the sort of ultra liberalism that we've that we've had in the british economy uh of which there are upsides and downsides maps directly onto football as well doesn't it the the whole dichotomy about where, what kind of our identity maps directly on onto football you know are are we a little englander uh, nation you know fighting against the outside world and scared of it and angry against it or are we open minded and, and prepared to travel the world with both is the answer and english football is like english society um yeah the two things they're so they're so connected that it would be hard for them not to be as, as closely woven together as
0: they are i think yeah and that's that's one of the themes of the book you it's the battle the soul of English football between Terry Gibson's crazy gang and Joseph Guardiola's passing out from the back, trying not to make a mistake. Uh, the other question I had is a bit simpler. Where is Terry Venables? Where is he? I hear
1: nothing from him. It's, it's a really good question. I didn't try and get in touch with him. I don't know anyone who, who knows him. Yeah, he, he should be he should be. He's only in his 70s, isn't he? So he should be a wonderful voice. He's so interesting. The bit where that quote that I found, um, and I wasn't the first person to, to point it out, where he's talking about uh, gay compressing in, in the mid-80s, isn't he? And People talk as if Ralph Radnick invented it. You know, if it was a new thing to try and win the ball high up the pitch and then immediately launch an attack because you don't have as far to go. Literally a quote from from Terry Venables who then he said to Hugh McCalvanny in the mid eighties. He was a great thinker about football, Terry Venables. So, and we, we, we don't have nearly enough Venables kinds of people. And uh, obviously again, the whole dichotomy of English football, it was understandable why he had to go because you know, uh, because his business dealings were about to launch into a great big court case, weren't they? So mm. it was but it, it was a shame. But and we, we haven't had enough Venables. Really you know, really clever, innovative English thinkers who are driving it on, as opposed to just doing what we've always done. And also, and I think left that's the country. We, that's what we need
0: to do. That very, very few Englishmen, apart from the the pioneers that Rory Smith writes about in his book Mister, uh, went abroad. Uh, there is a chapter about. It's called "Don't Shoot," which is about uh, econometrics and Moneyball. Are you going to read Rory Smith's book, Expected Goals, which is all about that kind of thing?
1: Yes. Yes. Uh, although I've, I've got, a huge, I'm reading one about Herbert Chapman at the moment, but uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, I'll, I shall add it to my to, to my list. The I read the XG pho- I read the XG philosophy for, the, for to, to get my head around this. Uh, John McKenzie was more interesting on it though. John McKenzie was brilliant on it, he, he a big brain. Um, it's 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 fascinating. It's a it's 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 a growing thing, as Rory Smith says. They're secretive about it. The clubs, they they don't mm. want to tell you an awful lot about it. Uh, and, and the other thing that I, I put to Daniel Hutchins, who's the match analyst who I spoke to, how do you know it works? And he gave me quite an honest answer. <laughs> and he said, he said, well, we hope it works. Um, oh, are oh, how...
0: believing in hope. That's that's the yeah. British way.
1: Yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's hard to unpick it all, isn't it? How, how do you know what works? Uh, uh, we, we sort of assume it does, but we're not certain.
0: Nonsense. Football, it's not an exact science, even though it is a branch of it, as Jossie's Giants would say. That's exactly your age, <laughs> Jossie's Giants. Um, but um, annoyingly, we've run out of time, so you've got to go and prep for the latest round of uh, La Liga fixtures. L Tel and John's La Liga weekly podcast. You can become a patron at patreon.com slash And the book is Get It Kicked, The Battle for the Soul of English Football. Much gracias, John, E uh, buenos Status. Thank you, Johnny. Just like the library! Just like the library! Just like the library! Just like the library! Shh!